My name is Merrill Dubrow, CEO of Mark Research and past advisory board chair of the MSMR Marketing Research Program at Michigan State University. Welcome to another Spartan Insights podcast. I am really excited to be part of Spartan Insights. Spartan Insights is a series of podcasts that we'll be interviewing one of the 500 alumni and 80 board members from the Michigan State MSMR program. And I got to tell you, everyone who's listening, you're in for a real treat today. Our guest is Dr. Ayala Ruvio, the academic director, master's of science in marketing research, associate professor at Michigan State University. Ayala, I can't thank you enough for making the time today. Hi, Meryl. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. All right, Yo, let's level set a little bit. Just talk to us a little bit about your career, if you could, and and frankly, how you ended up in East Lansing. Well, I grew up and got my degrees in Israel. And actually, my PhD was on entrepreneurship, so nothing about consumer. But then I switched to Consumer behavior, which I found out is my true passion. I never look back after doing that transition. And then after being a faculty member at the University of Haifa for a few years, I came here to, to the States for a sabbatical. And my sabbatical was at U of M. And I mean, we arrived here in the summer. You know how summers look at Michigan, right? It's the best place in the world. It was so beautiful. And then the fall, I mean, we just fell in love with what we thought was United States because all we knew was Ann Arbor. And shortly after we arrived, about three months down my sabbatical, my family took me to a conversation where they told me that they want to stay and not going back. So they sent me out to find a job. And my first job in the States was actually at Temple University in Philadelphia. We spent a year and a half looking for houses until my realtor turned to me and she said, you're looking for Ann Arbor in Philly and that's not gonna happen. She was right. And that's what made me think that I, I really need to go back to Michigan. This is where my heart is. This is where I want to be. And I got an opportunity, a job offer from Michigan a couple of years later. So we moved back. And I mean, can you really think about a better place to live in? Because I can't. It's just absolutely beautiful here. So this is home. This is how I arrived here to East Lansing. That's great. That's that's a really nice. So, so there you are growing up a little girl in... Israel, did you did you always want to be a professor though? I mean, I mean, lots of people like when I was growing up at Yella, I always wanted to be an accountant, not because I wanted to be an accountant, but because my dad was an accountant, right? But did, did your like did you always want to be a professor? Was that your goal growing up? I don't I don't think anyone thinks that he he or she wants to be a professor when they grow up, right? No, I wanted to be a flight attendant, but I wasn't tall enough. Back there there was a limitation. <laughs> like you have to hit a certain height to be a flight attendant. So but I wasn't that tall. So that that went off the window. No, I didn't. It happened by pure coincidence. I was actually the army in Israel 
test all the students when they're about 16 years old and decide what will be the best career in the, in the army because everybody in Israel have to go to the army. And I was identified as having leadership potential. So I was designated to have this glorious army career. But then first day in the army, I realized that I am not that good in getting orders. So that was the end of my career there. But when I was in school, when it was an undergrad, actually, one of my professors approached me and asked me to be his research assistant. And this is how I found research. And this is how I decided that I really want to stay and have an academic career. That's interesting. That really is. Well, thanks for sharing. Now, I never knew the I never knew the flight attendant story. That's funny. You know, I guess they probably didn't have high heels in Israel that you would be a little taller to, you know. You know, it, no, it's they did, but you still have to meet a certain. Got it. Got it. Wow. Well, on behalf of everybody who's connected to Michigan State and the MSMR program, we are thankful that you were too short to be a flight attendant, because if you were maybe an inch or two taller, we wouldn't be sitting here and you wouldn't be as involved with the program and running what is now become the number one MSMR program in the entire world. Dun, dun, dun. This is true. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. You know, talk a little bit about how far the program has come and, and you know, where we are today. So the program was envisioned and matured under the leadership of Rich, Professor Rich Brang, who was still is just an extraordinary person. And he, with collaboration with Jessica, who is truly the heart of soul of this program made the program what it is. I cannot take credit for it. It's it's really their their creation, and to envision something and create it and be successful at it and see how successful it is is the best feeling in the world. And to do it in a public university that entrepreneurship is not one of its you know biggest strength, it's even more remarkable. So I can only imagine what they had to go through in order to make it the way it is right now. So I got involved last year because Professor Sprang got this amazing opportunity of being our undergraduate associate dean, which he took. And I felt extremely honored when he asked me to step in and take over the program because I knew it it was his baby. And it, it meant a lot that he thought that I would be the right person to continue leading it to the next level. So when you get something that is so successful, you know, you take a step back. And you have to first understand what made it so successful. And the second thing that you have to do is to think how you, at the very least, maintain its success, but hopefully push it further to be even better and even more successful. Sometimes, you know, it's like having a grade, right? Sometimes keeping it at 4.0 is harder than getting a 4.0. So... Jessica and Vicky and Casey, the entire team, Michael Barrington was part of it too, and, and Rich that was still involved. We all took one step back, looked at the program, 
and thought, well, how can we make it even better? And we revamped the curriculum. We added a lot of interesting topics. You know, knowledge developed. The way we do things develop and evolve, and our program needs to evolve too. And this transition in leadership was a good timing for us all to pause, take a look at what we have, and try to move it forward. We also have, as you know, an amazing board of advisors that also contribute with direction. And I think one of the reasons why this program is so successful is the great involvement of the board members in forming this program, because we always on target, we always, you know, provide the students with the right tools and right knowledge that they need to become successful in their career. It's not just some academic, obscure information that they're getting with no meaning. It's something that they really need. We know they need it because the board tell us that this is what they're looking for. And that's what ensure their success in their career. And that's what ensure the success of our program. So it's really, you, you need a village, right? It's not one yeah. person. No, I, I think that's well said. You know, I know that a lot of the board members and a lot of industry professionals in the insights community are going to be listening to this podcast. What do you want to say to the board members first, Ayala, in terms of getting involved and how they can get involved more? What are those opportunities? Because we want to reinforce those just to make sure they're front and center. So when people have a little extra time, they can think of the program and then help out. How, what are the ways that people can help out the program from the board perspective? But you said we only have 15 minutes. It's okay. So there are many ways that the board can, the board members can be involved. And really, the, the wide range of ways can provide people with the opportunity because different people have different time to allocate, right? So you can do something very small as just be a guest speaker in a class yep. or be in a podcast like that or okay. just write a short, you know, article about a topic that you're interested in. So these are all, you know, short time, low involvement, but you can also be more involved in terms of being more active, helping us with the curriculum and how to shape it. Even become one of the instructors. That's how we get our wonderful instructors. We have the best instructors you know, I think in the college, because they are very grounded in practice, but they also have the academic knowledge, you know, so, and of course, for those of you who can contribute, not just time, but also money, that normally goes to support our students. Our students are wonderful, and some of them make huge sacrifice to be in this program. I was talking earlier with an international student that, you know, took a loan to, to come here, live here, and be in this program. And my goal really is to help them as much as I can uh, and to make sure that they have all the resources that they need to succeed. So maybe sponsoring a student like that or become even a mentor. Just because they're graduating from our program doesn't mean we don't care about them anymore. You know, we are committed to their career success way after they're graduating. So how about becoming their mentor 
after that, helping them, you know, with the ropes. We all know what it takes to get a job and we all know how, how extremely stressful it is. And just having someone to talk with that wants to talk to you make can make all the difference in the world. So there's really a lot of ways for board member to get involved. That's great. I appreciate that. Hey, let me ask you, in your opinion, what does it take to be a great insights professional? In, you mean as a practitioner? No, 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 no. As a professional such as myself in the industry, not as a professor, but just in terms of, because you guys are doing a lot of, in essence, you're providing training, you're providing a platform, a springboard for students to be get involved in the in the insights community, enter that community. But but in your opinion, when you look at and teach the next generation, let's call it of superstars, what do you think makes a great researcher at this point? So I don't think it's the the researcher part that makes a great insight professional right. because yep. We can all run analysis. We can all read the results. You know, that's the technical part. But really, to un- a person like that need to understand its unique position in a company, which is not always easy. And that is to connect the company and the leaders of the company with their consumers. So this is the linking linking part. This is the bridge between those two entities. And it starts with helping the leadership really define what it is they're looking for, what's the problem. Because sometimes they think they know what they want to know, but it's not really the right thing. And you need to help them understand what is the right information that they need to make a decision. Because at the end of the day, when you come to them with your finding, they need to make a decision based on that. And you need to make sure that you're providing the right information for that decision, which is not always the right question. That, it's not always the question that they're asking. So you have to be sensitive to that, but you also have to be sensitive with the target market, making sure you're not just asking the right question, but also asking the right consumer. Not all consumer is the right consumer. You have to find the right consumer for that specific company and that specific question if the company has a large portfolio and diverse portfolio. And then you gather the information, it doesn't end there. Your ability to convert that information to an insight, to really something that will tell the the leadership of that company, this is what you need to do. That is the true skill of someone in in this industry. And if you cannot do that, you may be a good researcher, but you're not really a good insight professional if if that makes sense yeah no it no it 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 definitely does i mean i think that i mean obviously look anybody that comes out of michigan state is beyond smart right and they obviously i've heard over the years people got to be curious you know i like one of the attributes and one of the skills that i like is somebody who has good self self assessment skills they can understand who they are they can understand how they come across they can understand what areas they need to work on and also, I like people who connect the dots, right? What is, you know, they look at something, what does that mean, right? And how do they connect dots in the world and, and take it to the next level, right? 
Well, let's switch gears for half a second. I know that I know that how proud you are of this and uh, your book. You just wrote another book, girl, miss. So not only you are, 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 are a professor, not only do you lead this program, not only are you um, an amazing entrepreneur, but but and 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 a mother and all of that stuff. But but another book under your tutelage. You're an author. So lots of people. I know want to write books. They don't know where to get started. Lots of people have an idea. How does it grow? And most don't do it, but you've done it not just once, but a few times. Can you talk about that process? What it means to write a book, you know, maybe some best practices. Cause I know that would be of interest to a lot of the listeners. Well, I think that like any other project product that we talked about, it has to bring value. So the, that's your starting point. Do I have something to say that brings value and to whom, right? The, that last book that you're talking about, which you contribute to, thank you for that. It's actually a textbook. It's a, a textbook for consumer behavior, which is where I come from. And it, it builds on my many, many, many years, I will not mention how many, years of teaching consumer behavior and how to do it and how to do it in a way that makes sense. And I think my involvement with the Insight Association and in, in the Insight industry in general really helped me to pinpoint those elements that makes a difference, that you you have to teach them in a certain way for them to make sense and to flow correctly. So this is what this book was trying to do, to really give you the tools to understand consumer behavior way beyond your graduation. So, and also be, have fun. So one of the things that we we really were eminent about, and, and actually the publisher, which was Wiley, kind of pushed back on us, but we pushed back, was that we were, the way we wrote it is in a very informal, sometimes even funny way, and they're like, oh, no, but the textbook needs to be serious. No, it doesn't. It just needs to be clear and engaging, which I think re represent the pivoting that the, the academic literature needs to take when it comes especially for teaching materials. Because listen, our students today live in a very different world, world that we grew up in. And we were like, we were students two decades ago Things have changed. Our textbooks need to change too, you know? So the way we transmit knowledge and information, the way we teach, how we related to what content we related to, that makes sense to them, not make sense to us. We, we already graduated, makes sense to them. And I think that was the inspiration for that specific book. But to start with, what's your value? What are you bringing yeah. to the table? Well, that's good stuff. You know, I want to quickly, I'm going to ask you to answer this question in about 45 seconds or less. I think it's an important one. And in the last three years, you know, COVID, I can't believe it. COVID's been around for, for probably 37 months. To us, it hit in, in March of 2020. And lots of things have changed. Teaching has changed. Learning has changed. You guys did a fair amount of online teaching. Just talk for a second about some of the changes that you personally have done through your teaching methods. 
in the past three years that COVID has forced us to all do. Because I want to drive home a point that I think is really important. Well, I'm not sure about your point, but see, every time we have a crisis, it forces us to rethink our practices yeah. and pivot. And a lot of it maybe have started a little bit before, but those crises are the ones that force us to accelerate with our change, with the way we do things. And those, it, it really takes innovation that we're there for a while to the next level. So if you think about it, did we shop online before? Yes, most of us did. But now all of us were, were forced to shop online. Yeah. And the same thing, you know, when COVID hit, there were conversations in the in our university and in other universities, should we go online? Should we teach online? Yeah. There was a task force that started its, its, its working and its job, you know, kind of researching, should we do that? And the perception of teaching online was not that positive. It was, would it degrade our brand? What will happen with it? And then COVID hit. And we had no choice. Like literally our university closed on Tuesday. We were told we're teaching online on Thursday. Yeah, That's it. I was teaching online that, that week. And you really try to understand how you connect with people over the internet. I care about my students. I have great connection with them. I want to believe. How do you do that in a Zoom format? How do you get to them? How are you making sure that they understand what you're saying? How you make sure that they're not lagging? How you identify? It's so easy to lag. It's always so easy to lose track on a student that struggle. How do you, so there is the information part of it, the knowledge that you want to transmit, but there's also caring about the student that you want to make sure that you're doing your, your job at the same level you did before. That requires a lot of learning and changing. And to be frank, we're still struggling with it. Yeah, I think we are still trying to figure out what is the best way. And we, we every semester, every course, we change a little bit, we try a bit more because at the end of the day we are educators we being connected to our students is part of what we do it's not just here is the information because if it's only information they don't need us they can read at this point yeah so i'm not sure if i made a point but no that, no that's... you did and and the point i was going to make is this i mean look you and i've gone through lots of crises, right? We had 9-11, we had the 2008 financial crisis, we had COVID in 2020 that shut down pretty much everything. The point I wanted um, you to comment on, which I think you did really nicely, and I wanted to make was this, we don't know what's next. Somebody wants to tell me in, 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 in 2029 blank is going to happen or 2027, I, I say, okay, I don't know what's on the horizon, nor do you, unless you're a futurist and you're, you know, you can read the tea leaves, which I know you have a lot of, you know, a lot of superpowers and maybe that's one of them. But the reality is you have to adapt no matter what's in front of us, no matter what changes, no matter what crisis is in front of us, we all have to change 
And we all have to, again, I like how you, you stated it and framed it, evaluate, and then we change our best practices and we move things forward. So listen to y'all. I can't thank you enough. You've been listening to Ayala Rubio on Spartan Insights. Thanks for your time today. My name is Meryl Dubrow. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you for having me.